I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said, and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in episode 154 of the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football. I am your humble host, as always, Evan Brown, the humblest host in the biz, some say. You can catch me over on Twitter at FFEvanLution. You can follow the show at Dynasty Debates, or you can drop me an email dynastydebates at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, things you love, things you hate, things you need to hear more of on the show, feel free to drop a line and let me know. Oh, there you go. I am a poet and I didn't even know it. So apologies if I sound a little bit stuffed up. I am literally just now, just now, getting over uh, basically being sick since Christmas. So <laughs> I appreciate you sticking with me and uh, putting up with the stuffy nose syndrome. It has been one thing after the other. I had two different courses of antibiotics. I had a chest infection. I had COVID. I had a cold. Um, you name it, I had it. So we're getting there. We are getting there. The light is at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully it is not the light before you say goodbye forever, but we're getting there. Hopefully you've been enjoying these. We've done a couple of recap episodes. So if you haven't checked them out, go back. Please check them out. They're really, really good. We've done the 2022 rookie wide receiver recap. We've done the 2022 rookie running back recap. And um, we're going to do uh, today is to be fair, just jumping ahead. It's a solo episode. So the reason being is sort of twofold. We're going to be talking tight ends and quarterbacks. Now, the rookie quarterback class was pretty weak. There's not a lot to talk about there. And um, the tight ends were kind of interesting, but again, not too terribly much. So I figured um, I've got a really awesome guest lined up this week. Anyways, we're going to be talking trades and we're going to be talking all sorts of, you know, exciting, fun things. So I figured I would do a solo episode because I do think it's important to kind of wrap it up and uh, round it off. The reason being we've done these, these recap episodes is... Honestly, first and foremost, for transparency's sake, because I know there's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of content creators, a lot of information, a lot of websites, and it's easy to get lost in the noise. And I really appreciate each and every one of you who takes time out to listen to even one episode of this show, but especially you listeners who are listening every single week, honestly, really means a lot. And I want to be honest with you and I want to be transparent with you. And I think that's really important because... If you're trusting me to help you in any way, shape, or form make decisions on your dynasty rosters, um, I want to instill some sort of confidence that I'm not a complete shyster, um, just, you know, used car salesman guy saying stuff and firing off hot takes left, right, and center with no accountability. So having said all that, the reason we're going back is what we're doing is I'm actually talking about um, in the off season here. So after the Super Bowl, we're going to go again and do 2023 prospects. It's going to be great. We're going to have some really smart, really fun people on some from the analytics side of the community, some from the film side of the community, some from both. We're going to talk running backs. We're going to talk wide receivers. We're going to talk tight ends and even quarterbacks. What I do myself is I'm more film-based. I do take some analytics stuff into consideration, but I'm not a spreadsheet guru wizard like Peter Howard or, you know, all these other great, great smart people that I have on the show. I'm not like that. So what I do, 
I am more of a film watcher, film connoisseur, Hachiman, basically. So I look at film and I, you know, take notes and I evaluate players based on um, what I can see on film. I watch lots of film through the Dynasty Nerds film room. Um, through I have a, a couple of places I pay to look, at, you know, have access to some cut ups of lots of full game film, things like that. Even sometimes going onto YouTube and just watching full games of these players. So that's where a lot of my study comes from. Now, after I study and kind of talk about it and rank and all that sort of stuff, I put it together and at the end, right before the NFL draft, like a week before, I'll release my own personal rankings of where I would have these players, how I would how I would draft them, what draft capital I would give them for fantasy purposes. So, you know, for example, would I give them a first round grade, a second round grade, that sort of thing? Because I think it's important to give context instead of just saying, I give them an 87. Well, what does an 87 mean? So I try and go into that and everything like that. So having said all that, this is the reason for these episodes. I wanted to go back and have a look and say, here's where I had these guys pre-NFL draft. Obviously, they change a little bit once we know landing spot and draft capital. Not massively. I think it's bad form to like sort of say, this is my rookie wide receiver one. And then because they get drafted in the third round, you drop them down to like, undraftable or something like that. You got to stick by your process a little bit more than that. But again, we'll get into all that later on. I just wanted to give you a little bit of context here before we jump into this sort of solo episode. So today is just going to be talking about the rookie tight ends, um, where I had them ranked, how they've performed and sort of what I see for their future. Guys, I'm interested in maybe trying to acquire this offseason guys. I'm not that bothered about. And then we'll touch on the rookie quarterbacks here before we put a bow on the 2022 rookie class and look forward to potentially starting in the next week or two, really diving into the 2023 rookies, which is super exciting. I'm not going to lie. Something is wrong with you. I got a fever. Adam himself could not resist the temptation of rookie fever. What a drop. I mean, I know I need the drop, but I got to say. I like that drop. It's a good drop. So as I mentioned in the intro there, you are stuck with me flying solo today. So, you know, if you're going to turn the episode off, totally understand. No offense, no harm done. But if you're going to stick around, let's talk tight ends to start off with. So again, as a little bit of just a recap here, uh, basically we're going back looking at my sort of pre-draft, pre-NFL draft grades, primarily based on film, um, where I saw these guys. And then we're going to recap sort of what happened for them, how their, their rookie years went and what we see, what I see for their future. So with this um, in mind, my grading scale, I didn't have any of these tight ends with a first round rookie draft grade. So I'm happy I said that. I still stand by that. And again, this is talking about a one QB league. I just thought it was easier to put out my kind of rankings and stuff like that based on one QB leagues because you can sort of adjust it yourself a little bit for super flex, you know, make the quarterbacks more valuable, things like that. Um, but yeah, for, for one QB leagues pre NFL draft, my highest graded tight end was actually Trey McBride. And he came in at a 79, which on my grading scale was like a high second round pick. So I was comfortable in a one QB league because, you know, for me personally, I do believe in elite tight ends. I believe in having one if you can. So like uh, a Travis Kelsey, um, a Mark Andrews, obviously when healthy and when utilized, a George Kittle, those kind of guys I think are game changers. They really can set you apart from the rest of the, the, the league. So I think it is wise when you see a prospect come along that could be a chain, you know, game changer, a difference maker to take a shot at them, especially if you're in any sort of a tight end premium league. Trey McBride had a really, really nice profile coming out of 
of college. He was very productive, things like that. Um, he was probably the most productive just on paper uh, coming out of you know, a smaller school. I think those were some of the concerns and worries. Obviously, he got drafted to the Arizona Cardinals. So there was a little bit of a, oh, that's a bummer because you know, he's behind Zach Ertz as well. You know, tight ends historically do take longer to develop. So you shouldn't really, in general, expect too much out of tight ends in their rookie year. If they really, really put a lot on film and on the stat sheet their rookie year, it's kind of a real bonus. It's something that should make you sit up and notice rather than something that you should expect. So like I said, um, for me, Trey McBride had a 79, so a high second round grade. Now in his rookie year, as we mentioned, he was sitting behind um, Zach Ertz until about week 10 when Zach Ertz got injured. Um, but as far as his rookie years go, he did play. He was there for 16 games. He only had 39 targets, 29 receptions, 265 receiving yards, 9.1 yards per reception, 228 air yards, and one receiving touchdown. So not a lot there. Um, what I would say about Trey McBride for me he obviously got a lot more involved once Zach Ertz went down, and it did look like it was sort of a natural progression. He was getting more and more involved, uh, more and more confident, more and more part of the offense later on the season. I know week 17, he had 10 targets, which obviously <laughs> you love to see. But we have to remember now with Kingsbury out of the picture, with um, Ertz coming back from this injury, with as the, as of this recording, which is Monday the 6th of February, there still isn't a head coach in place yet for the Arizona Cardinals. So it is a bit of a guessing game for me as far as like, am I looking to invest in him or looking to try and like get more shares in the offseason? I don't think so well i'll say just price dependent um i'm not you know breaking the bank to go out and get him because a we're not talking about it yet we'll get into it later on in the off season but this is a pretty strong you know tight end class so if i'm stuck between taking trey mcbride who looked okay had okay moments again i know he's a rookie and everything like that but he didn't blow me away with anything um or just taking another shot on another guy that is in a really nice deep tight end class i'll probably lean towards that because again, even though he did come on more and more week 10 onwards, if I look at, for example, PFF, which I really like, um, it's just one tool. I don't use just PFF, but I like PFF because they study film. They look at every single play. They diagnose everything that's going on and their stats. It, some people like to make a joke, make a laugh of their stats and, oh, they're so stupid or whatever. But the truth is like their premium stats are utilized by the NFL themselves. NFL teams look at them, take notice of them, check on them, um, want them. So I think it is certainly something to be aware of. I don't think it's the be all and end all and you need to base everything you ever think or do on PFF. But again, if you're looking at film scores and grades, it's a nice jumping off point. If you look at you know PFF grades for just these rookie tight ends from week 10 to week 18, so when, you know, Trey McBride was in the ascendancy, all rookie tight ends with a minimum of 10 targets in that time, or sorry, 15 targets in that time span, he actually only grades as fifth for them. You know, he's behind Chigazima Conquo, Jelani Woods, Isaiah Likely, Greg Dolchich. He's only ahead of Kate Otten and Daniel Bellinger in that time for their overall just PFF grade, overall grade at a 56.6, which isn't great. Um, and if you change it to just the receiving grade, because obviously at the end of the day, we really want those receptions. We want the fantasy points. We're not worried too much about their blocking and things, except for how it um, allows them to be on the field more maybe. But again, if you look at just the receiving grade, it's the exact same situation. He's fifth out of seven in that sort of time frame. Um, I guess on a good side, he did run the most routes. So he was the most involved out of the, that group in that time frame. So for me, you know, 
he's one of those guys that I'm interested in. I like, obviously, you know, nothing happened that made me drastically change my take and view on him just because he took a little bit longer to get hit the ground running. He's a tight end that traditionally takes longer. He's from a little bit of a smaller school, probably played, you know, against lesser competition really than he would have played at with the Cardinals. There's a lot of chopping and changing there. The only thing that kind of puts me off making him a real buyer, somebody to go after is sort of the price point because Looking at Dynasty Trade Calculator at this moment in time in a 12-team Superflex tight end premium league, he's coming in as a value of 6.9, which is noise, um, but it's also not noise because that means it's roughly a mid-second round pick. So again, you're not getting a major discount because a lot of people were probably taking him in the second round. You know, maybe high second round um, last year after the draft, but you're really not getting much of a discount on him. And like I said, there's a pretty stacked tight end group coming up. So for me, you know, he's certainly a hold. I'm not like panicking and ditching him if I have him, but I'm not majorly like, oh, I must get more Trey McBride on my team because again, there's so many unknowns. We don't know the coach yet. We don't know the scheme that they run. We don't know really what's going to happen there. And he didn't do anything that really wow me or made me just you know drop my jaw and be like this guy's incredible you know so I, I would just say he's just a hold if you've got him if you do have him and you're wanting to get out from under him I mean again this is a pretty strong tight end group I yeah I'd be happy enough with a early second if you can get a 203 204 for him I'd probably be happy enough to to take that and roll the dice and you know try somebody else see if one of these other guys gets a really nice landing spot you know and can hit the ground running Next man up is the one and only Greg Sugar Daddy Dolchich. Now, I will let you in on a little bit of a secret here. Honestly, this is one of my main lessons that I took away from the last offseason, the last draft cycle was actually about Greg Dolchitz and Trey McBride, because I will be completely honest and transparent with you. Me personally, when I was grading them and, and how I felt about them, I actually had Greg Dolchitz slightly higher than Trey McBride. Now, having said that, the mass consensus at the time was that that's insane. Trey McBride is clearly the, the, the number one tight end in this group. And if you think anything else, you're an idiot. So I sort of allowed myself to be swayed by that. And I bumped him down. So I gave Trey McBride a 79 grade. I gave Greg Dolchers to 78, so just one point lesser. But one thing I'm taking with me into this next, um, you know, cycle is to just stick to my guns. And if I have a genuine gut feeling or my uh, assessment is slightly against consensus, even if it is an overwhelming consensus, that I need to go with that. So it's not a massive deal. Like I said, it's not like oh, I'm an idiot for having Greg Dolchich too and stuff like that. And like I said, it is just it is what it is. Um, Greg Dolchich, Greg Sugar Daddy Dolchich, I really liked him because, again, I was looking at it for more fantasy football. I'm saying I really love the way he gets down on deep routes. I love his receiving ability. I love that he's a deep threat. I think that's awesome. And honestly, that was some of the flashes that you got to see in his rookie year. He went to Denver at the time when he went to Denver, people were sort of anointing Albert O as the next big thing um, because Noah Fant had left town. Now, for whatever reason, you know, we don't really know the ins and outs of it. Albert Aquabunum um, got into Nathaniel Hackett's doghouse, which let's be honest, he was more Nathaniel Hatchet than he was Nathaniel Hackett. Am I right? Absolute Hatchet man just kind of sucked as a head coach. The, the whole team was terrible. And uh, yeah, Dolchich did get 
a nice little opportunity there in his rookie year, which we didn't really see coming in the preseason. We sort of thought maybe he would have to just play second fiddle, um, but he really got a chance to kind of go for it there. He was injured at the start of the season. He came in, he was kind of the dude as far as tight ends go, but then he got injured again at the end of the season. So really you're looking at kind of from weeks six to week 16 was when he was kind of in there healthy and being the dude. He played in 10 games. He had 55 targets, 33 receptions, 411 receiving yards, 12.5 yards per reception, 584 air yards, and two receiving touchdowns. So again, we mentioned PFF. If I'm looking at PFF, I'm just going to look at the entire season. I'm not even going to filter it down to the specific weeks, but just as far as the entire season goes, all tight ends, minimum 15 targets. Um, you know, the, the the top dog is unsurprisingly Travis Kelsey. So if you're looking at PFF again, they're looking at you know film grades and things like that. There's a lot of interesting stats there, but Looking at Greg Sugar Daddy Dolchich, he actually comes in as tight end 36 for them on their film score. So not great. You know what I mean? Pretty low, really, especially in fantasy football. We're wanting like those top five or six tight ends. As far as they're just receiving grade, he's much better. He's at uh, tight end 24, which again sort of ties into my pre-draft evaluation, which was like, yeah, he can block. He can do some of those other things, but that's not what I'm excited about for him. I'm excited about his route running, his deep threat ability, his athleticism, things like that. Um, as far as just like how many routes did he run? He's 27th. But again, this is a 10 game sample size. So if we if we filter it down um, just to the games that he was involved in, it'll be a, a different picture altogether. As far as if I'm looking at for the full year, just based on the rookie tight ends, again, let's compare some apples to apples here. Uh, he actually comes in as the tight end seven out of 10. If we're looking at all tight ends who minimum 15 targets. So again, not great. He had um, tight end, he was tight end five, which is better when it talks about just pure route running for PFF. So he was only behind um, Chigazim Okonkwo, Connor Hayward, Jake Ferguson, and Jelani Woods. So that's pretty decent. He, again, we're looking at, it's difficult because he only played 10 games. So you're kind of piecing things together. Now we know I've just finished an article there for um, Dynasty Nerds and we're actually, do, I was just doing a deep dive on the Denver Broncos and the fact that they brought in Sean Payton as their head coach. So for me, it's really interesting because Greg Dolchich could be awesome with Sean Payton. Sean Payton does historically use tight ends. When he has a good tight end, he likes to use the tight end. Um, he likes to get them and the running backs involved in the passing game quite a lot to utilize mismatches in the secondary, things like that. I think Greg Dolchich certainly could fit that bill, but let's not forget Albert O either especially because Sean Payton doesn't have any allegiance or any ties to either of these guys. So it's just going to be who he likes more. He may end up using both. Um, I think that's the issue for me is, he, is that I like what I saw from, from Sugar Daddy uh, in his rookie year. I thought there was flashes. I thought that there were some interesting things, some things that made me excited. And there was definitely some rapport built there with, with Russell Wilson. And now that Sean Payton's in the mix, it could be absolute dynamite, which would be great. My only concern would be the price tag. So I, I kind of mentioned it in my article there. I think a lot of people are sort of drinking the uh, the, the sugar daddy, you know, <laughs> they're drinking the sugar daddy um, soda here and they're getting excited about what could be because at the moment, if you're in a 12 team super flex tight end premium league, right? You're looking to acquire Greg Dolchich. The problem is he's literally going to cost you like a late first, a mid to late first. Like that for me is just, too rich. Like I'm actually selling at that point probably because that's all just conjecture. Like, yeah, he did some nice things, but we just looked at the stats there. He's not even like by far and away the premier 
tight end in his own class. He's certainly not a top three or top five tight end. And if I'm paying up a first round pick in a super flex league, I mean, I want a difference maker. This is all just hope, fingers crossed. We hope that he's going to, I think we're just kind of, this is what happens a lot of times in Dynasty. And so this is something I do think is worth talking about real quick. I think what happens is we're all sort of wishful thinking, pie in the sky. You know, we, we are all, we're, we all fall victim to that at times. And, you know, we, we kind of put two and two together and get 22. What we need to remember though, is yes, sometimes it works. Sometimes, you know, a new head coach comes in and the team plays really great and things look a lot better and everything's amazing. Let's think of the Jaguars this year. You know, that worked really well. If you invest in some of those Jaguars in the off season last year, because you believed in the difference that a good head coach can make. Now I do think Sean Payton's a very good head coach. I think he will do good things for this team, but we have to remember he has no allegiance to any of these players, probably outside of Russell Wilson. I believe when he signed with the team, he knows Russell Wilson's just got a huge contract. They've traded a lot to get him. I'm probably working with Russell Wilson for the next couple of years, but he's not tied necessarily to Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton or Greg Dolchich or Alberto or Javonta Williams. So it's down to him, how he sees them this offseason, what he thinks is their abilities and how that fits into his scheme. So for me, if that is truly the price point at the moment, I'm certainly not going out of my way to acquire him. And if anything, I would be shopping him at that stage. If, if I'm, if I can get a, a, a first round, even a later first round pick in a super flex league for Greg Dolchich right now, like I personally would be happy to not because I'm not saying that he won't, you know, he may end up being like this absolute stud. And in like two or three years time, we might be like, oh my gosh, that was crazy. You could get him for a single first back then. Now, we, you know, now he's three firsts or something crazy. It could be the next Travis Kelsey. We don't know, but it's just a game of odds and you have to look at what is probable, what is realistic. And honestly, I don't think that that is the best odds or the most realistic use of your resources. Um, if you're sort of, it's weird because it's such a big discrepancy. Cause if you go on to like keep trade cut, which I don't like, I don't use keep trade cut. I don't really rate them, but if you go on to keep trade, keep trade cut at the moment, they have him as around tight end 10 and, Worth around the same as like David Njoku, Cole Komet, maybe an early 24 second. Um, that's much more palatable prices in my mind. So again, it really seems like it depends on your league and how they're rating and valuing him. If you're able to get him for like a second, I'm a lot more interested because I do believe in the talent. I do think there's an opportunity there. I do think there's a pathway for him being super fantasy relevant. But if you're having to pay up like a late first form or mid to first form, that's just too rich for my blood. My tight end three in this class was actually Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina. I gave him a grade of 76. So two points behind Greg Dulcich. I liked him as an offensive playmaker again, because for me, when I'm looking at my tight ends, um, as a prospect, I just want guys who are going to score me fantasy points. I'm not worried about, I mean, I get that the better blockers, the better all around tight ends, the more chance they'll have to be on the field, things like that. But in general, I want playmakers. I want guys who are going to be offensive threats. So I really liked Isaiah Likely, what he was able to produce and do um, down at Coastal Carolina. When he got drafted, you know, later later on uh, by the Ravens with Charlie Cooler, that was kind of that was kind of sad. I didn't like that, but hats off to him. He did manage to make an impact in his rookie year. So again, he... Um, you know, we know the struggles that the Ravens had with Lamar's health, Mark Andrews at times, and Isaiah likely definitely, definitely 
put himself past Charlie Kohler um, as the second tight end option and definitely filled in quite nicely, did well for himself. But how well he did and how bright his future are, that is that is the debate, really. So he did play in 16 games. He had 60 targets, which is great. 36 receptions, 373 receiving yards, 10.4 yards per reception, 428 air yards, and three receiving touchdowns. So I think people have gotten really excited about that. And, um, you know, they've got a lot of, there's a lot of buzz going on about him. And, and that's cool. But I do think we need to be a little bit realistic and just sort of, again, a lot of times for me, Dynasty is about trying to assess what is the probable outcome and then trying to play the odds. So a couple of things to look at. Let's look at the PFF grades because we have talked about those. So if we look at the entire season, all tight ends, minimum 15 targets, um, likely certainly, you know, grades out better than some of the other names we've talked about so far. He comes in at tight end 22 just for overall sort of offensive grade for PFF. He drops down to 33 for his actual route running, which isn't great. He was on the field, not that much comparative. I mean, he was the tight end 32 as far as routes run. Um, he he had his moments, I would say. He wasn't very consistent, but he had flashy moments, which is nice. He was 21st for yards per route run, which, you know, that's not great. When, again, we're talking about tight ends who have a very, there's a very narrow window of guys who are really, really valuable for fantasy. So, you know, it's definitely, there's some nice things, some interesting things, and then there's some really not exciting things, you know? And, and I feel like, for me, I understand completely and we can paint this picture of, hey, Lamar sticks around. He obviously loves throwing to tight ends. They've got they're going to have a new offensive coordinator. What if he bumps up the passing volume a good bit? We can paint this picture where, you know, Isaiah likely is a real valuable dude and he's going to be really important for your dynasty rosters moving forward. But I don't know that that's the most realistic outcome. OK, so what I would say, you know, the way I see it personally is. You know, you look back to Lamar's most recent healthy season, he does pass a lot to the tight ends. He passes a lot to the tight ends named Mark Andrews. Um, now, if we look at the 2020 season, that was the last time he played sort of 15 games or more. He There was a 27.8% target share going to the tight ends, which is awesome. And you think, holy cow, that, that's a lot. But again, they don't pass an awful lot. And a lot of those targets are going to Mark Andrews. There was that, was that 20, almost 28% target share only equated to 109 targets to the tight end. And Mark Andrews had about 88 of them, I believe. So there's only about 20 targets that didn't go to Mark Andrews that went to the tight end position. Now, again, we can say, what if that volume bumps up a little bit? What if, you know, the targets get spread around a little bit? That's fine. But again, you know, what are you hoping for? What is your best case scenario? Because if everyone's healthy, if Mark Andrews is healthy, if Lamar's healthy, he, Mark Andrews is a very, very good tight end. They already have that rapport. He's not going to stop throwing to Mark Andrews just because he has another good option there. So, I mean, if your best case scenario is that he gets 30 or 40, you know, targets, uh, maybe even 50, <laughs> what are you paying for? You know, that that is my point. So I, I like him. It's unfortunate that his situation, he's probably going to be more helpful and useful to the Baltimore Ravens than he is to your dynasty team, I would assume. So I, I think that, you know, for me personally, I'm not really going out of my way to acquire lots of Isaiah likely. Uh, he's not going to cost you that much, which is nice, uh, at least according to the dynasty trade calculator. On their, you know, sort of 12 team super flex tight end premium, same sort of goalpost that we've been talking about. I think he'd probably be like a late third or something like that, roughly. So, again, it's not going to cost you that much, um, you know, to get your hands on him. 
probably sorry a late second i apologize uh probably cost you like a late second so he's certainly not going to cost you as much as some of the other names we've talked about but for me personally that still might be a little bit rich for my blood i mean on keep trade cut which again I personally don't rate very highly. I don't use, but I know a lot of people do. And that's why I'm trying to include it a little bit is because I'm trying to say, look, if this is what people are looking at and they're interested in it and they're using, I'll talk about those values, but I'll talk about how I see them and how I agree or disagree with them. So I say like he's coming in as tight in 14. Um, I mean, he's coming in as like, a, again, a late second. He's coming in right above Darren Waller, which you can say whatever you want about Darren Waller. And a lot of people think he's washed and all that sort of stuff. I would, I would take Darren Waller over Isaiah likely 10 out of 10 times in Dynasty. So I liked him. He was my third tight end. Again, landing spot and just situational things like that. Probably not somebody I'm going after majorly trying to trade for. And if if you do have somebody in your league who is willing to give you Darren Waller for him or Darren Waller plus, then you should definitely do that. So those were the only tight ends that I had like a second round rookie draft grade on pre NFL draft again. Let's let's not forget that. Um, in a one QB league, moving into the third round, the only one I was going to touch on really quickly. I mean, in more detail, I should say, is Jelani Woods. So I had Jelani Woods. I really loved Jelani Woods because again, when I'm looking at tight ends, I'm just thinking fantasy football. I love his potential. He's an absolute monster rough around the edges absolutely previous quarterback um converted the tight end was a blocking tight end for a while then went to virginia had one big year of like just being actually used as a tight end. he's six foot seven dude six foot seven 252 pounds i mean he's an absolute just monster i called him bigfoot so johnny bigfoot woods mismatch waiting to happen um again but rough rough you know has some stuff to certainly polish out um but these are the kind of guys that i personally like betting on at tight end the big superstar athletes um and what i mean by superstar is just like he's a freak athlete like he's literally if if you look at like his 40 yard dash his speed score burst all of it is very very high his catch radius is 98th percentile burst score 94th percent speed score 94th 40 yard dash 89th percent i mean dude's a freak um freak athlete and if he manages to get some of his other stuff together he could be an absolute monster for fantasy so he had a couple of really flashy games there you know i know week i believe it was week 12 he had like he was like eight for nine so he had nine targets and you're like this is what i want to see like this is literally what i want to see but it was hit or miss it was up and down it was a rough season for the colts in general um it was a rough season for him i mean he did he was active for 15 games but there's a lot of games he only played a couple snaps or hardly played at all or he would come in and have like six seven eight targets do really well and then get like nothing the next week it was very weird but he had 40 targets in total in 15 games played 25 receptions 312 receiving yards 12.5 yards per reception 400 air yards and three receiving touchdowns so if we're looking at the same sort of pff grades for all tight ends he if we're just comparing him to all tight ends, rookies and and vets combined, he came in as tight end 28 in their overall offensive grade. So not great, but again, he is a rookie 23 for their receiving grade. So again, not terrible, but not great. You know, it's nothing like to write home about. Um, you know, like I said, where it was weird is that he only he only ran the 43rd most routes out of like all tight ends who got at least 50 targets he was the 43rd for routes run so they just weren't using him now again we're not in that room we don't know if it's his was it maturity was it his grasping of the playbook was him not doing what they wanted him to do we don't know um but we do know is you know he didn't he wasn't out running that many routes now his yards per route run which is an efficiency metric he was 16th which is really encouraging now Again, for me personally, 
Um, these are the kind of guys that I'm really curious and intrigued by and I like to sort of stash if possible. So for me, it's very much going to be dependent on what is the asking price. If you don't currently have him, what is the asking price in your league? Now, I think if you're good at trading and you're a good, you know, I don't know, used car salesman, for lack of a better term, you can sort of paint a picture. He wasn't very productive, bit of a mess. You know, Colts are a bit of a mess. Who knows what's going to happen there, blah, 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 blah. Try and get a discount on him. See if you can just like stash him away. I'm not, you know, I'm not paying up for him, but he's certainly somebody I'm still intrigued by because again, Titans take longer to develop. So it doesn't surprise me he didn't come in and just have like a thousand yard season, all that sort of stuff. That would have shocked me if he did. If we look at just the rookie tight end class, you know, for PFF, he comes in as tight end five. So not bad in their overall offensive grade. And he comes in as tight end four for their just receiving like route running grade. So I think that's pretty solid. Definitely some intriguing, um, some intriguing sort of potential there. Now for me, the interesting thing is, it's price point. It is. It's like we've talked about with all these guys. If you look at Dynasty Trade Calculator, who I do think is really a good you know, a, a good product and they do give you some good information, good insight into the local market, how things are being valued. They're saying that he's roughly worth sort of a later second round pick in, in a super flex tight end premium sort of league. Now, if you go over to keep trade cut, they're a little bit less and they've got him worth a little bit less. He's tight end 22 for them, sort of an early 24 third or a mid third and 23. And if those are the prices, so for me, that's what I'm saying is that if your league is looking at things like keep trade cut, or if your league is part of the reason why the values are what they are on keep trade cut, I'd be interested in it. If I can get him for like any sort of a third round pick in a super flex tight end premium sort of a league. Yeah, I'll take him. I'll probably take him and stash him and see what happens. Because again, you want to bet on, on athletic dudes uh, at the tight end position. Think of Logan Thomas's, think of Darren Waller's, you know, think of Travis. Travis Kelsey's guys that have, have had properly impactful tight end seasons. Um, but if he's being asked, like if someone is wanting the 205 for him, then no. I'm just, I mean, it's a strong tight end class. There's a lot of players out there I can look at for the 205. But he's certainly somebody that I personally am intrigued in stashing if I can. And just to put a bow on the rookie tight end talk, because I mean, let's be honest, it wasn't like the strongest tight end class of all time. And we've talked for 30 minutes. So hopefully you're still here. If you're still here, thank you very much. But I do want to talk about Chigazim Okonkwo, the one that got away. I remember when I was watching his tape, I actually did really like him. I, I felt like he was almost like a running back in a tight end's body. I was like, he's not he's not there for blocking he's not there for all that stuff he's just there as a playmaker get the ball in his hands i felt like he was similar to like isaiah likely but with his weird sort of production profile and size and things like that i didn't even i just i talked myself out of him and that's a lesson that i need to learn um, and and i really i'm excited for what he's been able to do he didn't have the best of draft capital went to the tennessee titans which we were no reason like overly excited about that landing spot but talk about somebody who just stood up and made stuff happen and didn't allow the doubters, the haters to kind of get in his way. So I have a lot of respect, a lot of time for Chigazim Okonko. And it's not just, you know, it's not just me being like, oh, wow, he did better than I thought. He's actually genuinely somebody I think is worth investing in, um, price dependent on your rosters, because he is, again, we talked about athletic freaks and stuff like that. He's only six foot two, so he's nowhere near as tall or as big as Jelani Woods, but he is 96th percentile 40 yard dash, 92nd percentile speed score. He is very athletic as well. And when he played in 17 games, he had 46 targets, 32 receptions, 450 receiving yards, 14.1 uh, yards per reception, which is brilliant, 364 air yards, and three receiving touchdowns. So he certainly, and it was interesting with him, is that he definitely felt like he was developing 
developing more and more and more as the season went on. Instead of having like a flashy game here or there, sort of the way I felt like Isaiah likely did, he felt like he really, really was like continuing to develop. And the further and deeper into the season you got, the more and more, you know, relevant he was. Because at the start of the season, he was getting like one target, no targets, three targets, one target. And then you go to about week 12 and it's like five targets, five targets, six targets, five targets. You know what I mean? He was very much more involved. Now, obviously there was injuries, there was problems with quarterback play and all that stuff. But to me, as a rookie tight end, to be able to come in and do those sort of things, I think that's really impressive. And and actually, if we look at PFF stats for all tight ends, same sort of goalposts that we've been using for everybody else, he comes in as tight end seven. Like, I'm talking the guys ahead of him are Pat Fryermuth, Goddard, Andrews, like, He's tight in seven for their overall just offensive grade um, on PFF. And again, like that's not the be all and end all. It doesn't mean he is like a top three tight end in Dynasty. It means that there is certainly something there. He comes in as tight in two for them and just their overall just like route running grade, receiving grade. Um, You know, he was... And the interesting thing is to me, he had the 50th most routes. So again, he wasn't overly utilized, overly involved. It was as the season was going on, he was getting more and more. And it could be, again, this is the way maybe you choose to use it. I feel like they needed playmakers and he kept putting himself in a position where they couldn't ignore him. They couldn't afford to bench him. They couldn't afford to not have him on the field because he was just making things happen. He was the number one tight end for yards per route run, which is again, an efficiency metric. I just think, there's a lot of potential there. And I think because the Titans are scary and the Titans are gross and nobody knows what the heck is going on there. I think people aren't really as excited about him as they probably should be. Um, So for me, he's certainly somebody that I would want to check on and see how much the, the manager in your, in your league wants for him. Now, again, don't get me wrong. If they're wanting like a first round pick for him or something like that, that's fine. No worries. No harm, no foul. You can just move on. But if they're wanting like a later second round pick, like if they want, if you're, if you're looking for some tight end depth and they're like willing to accept the 210, 211, I might be, I might be intrigued. I, I do think what he did was pretty impressive. I think that, you know, there's definitely some potential there. He is a playmaker. He is a speedy guy. He's there as an offensive weapon. He's not there as a blocker. And if we're on keep trade cut, the interesting thing is, again, like I said, depends on how your league sort of values people. He's right next to Isaiah Likely in value. So if I can swap Isaiah Likely for Chigazima Conquo, I would do that personally, um, just because I've seen what I've seen is so impressive. And again, the options and the potential there are, are a lot higher, in my opinion, just based on he doesn't have a Mark Andrews ahead of him. He doesn't have one of those kind of guys. So I did want to give plaudits and respect to Chigazima Conquo. So that is the sort of tight ends. There was other guys that had like maybe like a fourth round grade on or something, but there's nobody that I feel like really stood out or or needs to, you know, maybe be somebody that we really, really talk about. You know, Jeremy Rucker and, you know, Kate Otten, those kind of guys. They're fine if you can get them for free and pick them up and stash them, you know, in your taxi squad, but I'm not going out and paying up for any of them. Now, just to put your mind at ease, you're probably thinking, oh my goodness, we've talked for almost 40 minutes here and he's still on tight ends. We still got quarterbacks to get to. This is going to be a three hour long episode. No, it's not because this is something that I, this is just my opinion. This is how I feel about it with quarterbacks. I don't put out official like prospect grade rankings for them um, because I feel like they're so complicated and guys that get paid millions of dollars or pounds a year make mistakes and get it wrong all the time. Like people thought Zach Wilson was the dude in the Jets front office. People thought, you know, all the, you can go down the list. There's, there's so many guys who are even number one, number two overall picks and things like that. You know, Sam Darnold's Baker Mayfield's that don't work out. So 
I, it's not, it's not that I don't talk about them. We still talk about them. I, we had episodes last year where we talked about what we liked, what we didn't like pros and cons where maybe we would be comfortable taking them, but I didn't have a prospect grade. This is where I would rank them and draft them. So having said that, there's really not much to talk about, honestly, from the QB class of 2022. Kenny Pickett is obviously the cream of the crop. He's the only guy with first round draft capital. The only guy with really decent draft capital. He did play 13 games. He had 389 pass attempts, 2,404 passing yards, 63% completion, 6.2 yards per attempt, 237 rushing yards, and seven passing touchdowns. So... The thing about Kenny Pickett for me personally is I feel like he's fine. I, I do. I just feel like he's vanilla. He's okay. He's absolutely fine. I feel like I could easily see him having like a Ryan Tannehill, Jared Goff sort of a career, being okay, being a solid QB2 for you. I don't think he's ever going to be like a top five or top six. And I think that's why people aren't clamoring for him and like shouting about him and being excited and trading for him. The problem will be as far as values and stuff, he's not really priced to buy either. To, to trade for as far as I can tell it's what it's like weird it's there's a lot of haters in the streets there's a lot of people down on him but at the same time you can't really go out and just get him for a second round pick you're still gonna have to give a first for him um so yeah I mean but it's honestly in all in all fairness I mean if we look at all I've been talking about PFF I, I do like PFF is if we looked at PFF grades for all all quarterbacks this season who had a minimum of 200 dropbacks so trying to weed out some of the guys that came in for you know 20 snaps and played really well surprisingly something like that he does actually, you know, he ranks out pretty well, especially if you consider that he is a rookie. He won the job. He wasn't the, you know, the starter at the start of the season. He comes in as QB 16 for overall just offensive grade as far as just pure passer rating. I'm sorry, passer grade from PFF. He comes in at QB 14. So again, that's really not bad. I mean, he's right behind Trevor Lawrence um, and everyone's loving and, and obsessed with how Trevor Lawrence did. And, and I do really like I do really like Trevor Lawrence. I think he's done amazing and he's taken a big step forward. He was 15th in big time throw percentage and he was way down at 27th for turnover worthy plays, which is good. You want to see him be careful with the ball, um, you know, not not just make unnecessary risks and things like that. He was actually QB 10 for his run grade, which is nice. I think he's kind of like sneaky athletic or sneaky mobile. I mean, what was it? 300 rushing yards. That's not like changing the world numbers, but that's not nothing, you know, 237, sorry, with three rushing touchdowns. I mean, that's certainly a nice little boost to his fantasy value, his fantasy impact. And again, he was just a rookie. So I think people are being a little bit hard on him. I don't think, you know, he's a bum or a bust or anything like that. I think he could be solid uh, for fantasy wise. Again, I'm not just not that excited. He doesn't really get me going or anything like that. He comes in as a 19.9 on Dynasty Trade Calculator. So if you're in a 12, 12 team super flex tight end premium league, he's going to cost you roughly around sort of the 108. So I kind of understand why people aren't going out to buy or acquire him because if you're sitting at 108 in a rookie draft and you're wanting a quarterback, you need a quarterback back you're hoping for somebody like anthony richardson or somebody like that to fall to you that has tools that could make him you know give him a higher ceiling than potentially a kenny pickett he's the same over on keep trade cut really it looks like he comes in around qb 15 which i feel like is actually pretty reasonable late 23 first or uh, maybe a 24 late first sort of is the price point so again for me, I think that's just pretty reasonably priced. I don't see him as a major buy. I don't think he's like, oh man, he's the next big Ben. He's going to be just like absolutely smashing it and killing it. And you're going to be, you know, top five quarterback. But at the same time, I don't think you need to panic sell by any means. If you've got him as your QB, you know, hopefully he's not your QB one or QB two in your super flex leagues. But if you've got him as your QB three or QB four, I think it's absolutely fine. I think you just keep hold of him. Unless somebody is a hardcore Steelers fan, they're willing to come and just like 
bust your door down with an early first in a super flex league. I just think you keep hold of him. See how see how season two goes. I think there's signs for positivity. If he does have a good season two, depending on how the rest of the landscape goes, maybe that's your time to to try and get a bit of a a boost in your ROI if you are looking to trade him away. And honestly, as far as the rest of the 2022 rookie kind of class goes, there's really not much to talk about from my perspective. Desmond Ritter, I think, potentially gets a 2023 chance, you know, to see what he can do. So in that case, if you can get him for like a third right now or something, if, if whoever manages him is just convinced that the, the Falcons are going to take a quarterback and all that sort of stuff, if you can get him for just a third. It's worth taking a shot because if he is a starting quarterback, and especially if you just never know, you know, that's the thing is like we write people off too early and things like that sometimes. And um, you, you just never know if he does win the job in 23 and actually plays really well even and you got him for like a third that's going to be a pretty nice investment um because you're going to easily get a second out of him maybe even a first who knows depending on how well he plays so i would say that about desmond ritter and the other guy i would say sam hell like at this moment in time you know the rumors are that sam hell potentially will have a shot at being the starting quarterback for the commanders in 2023 now is that smoke and mirrors is that just talk for talk's sake it could it could very well be but sam hell does have a nice rushing floor um which is really good for fantasy purposes so again he's the only other guy really that i'm probably majorly intrigued by questioning about or i think with him what i would try and do if at all possible again if you're able to get him for just like a third if you're like hey i got the i got an early third here you can have it and and the person's willing to give you because they just don't believe that sam Howell's the future um yeah sure take a shot see what happens third round picks are you know third round picks their their hit rates are incredibly low anyways but uh what what i would probably try and do with sam Howell, honestly is if you're interested in, in just you know getting a little bit more depth try and just get him added in i would try and work out a deal you know with me or looking at wide receivers or running backs or whatever it is and then just be like oh yeah i don't know i don't know okay yeah we'll throw in time how and we'll make it a deal because like i said it is a long shot it is a small chance but if he does turn around and, and gets a chance to be that you know that quarterback there was times this year and last year where people were trading like legitimate giraffe capital for Taylor Heineke. So I just think sometimes crazy stuff happens. It's worth taking your shots, especially when there's unknown. I think that's where you're going to get your edges in dynasty. A lot of times, especially if it's a sharp league, if you're a bunch of smart people, you got to take your chances. You got to take calculated risks. I would say now going out and giving like a first for Sam Howell is a bad idea, but if you can get him for like an early third or a couple of thirds or something like that, then yeah, take a shot. You never know. Cause if it works out, it's going to be a massive ROI. You get a one or two of those to roll over in your favor every year. And that is really a strong point in heading towards making an actual dynasty in your league. There you have it, folks. We have fully recapped the 2022 rookie class. Uh, we've done wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks, tight ends, all of them. We've done them all. Go back and listen to the other episodes with the awesome guests if you haven't already. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Hopefully you learned something. Hopefully it made you think about some guys to trade for, trade away, trade high, trade low. Just get some trades done. And in that, in that vein, I am having an amazing guest on this week. It is none other than Dynasty Outhouse himself, host of the Trade Addicts pod. It's been a long time. He's one of the first guests ever on on Dynasty Debates. Been a long time. I'm super excited to have him back. So check that out. Um, that, that'll be the next episode that drops after this one. So definitely please get subscribed, get those ratings and reviews in. They really help the show. And let me know if you have any topics you want discussed in the offseason that'll help you. And I'm really excited about starting to dig into this 2023 sort of prospect class. It's going to be a lot of fun. Got some really fun, awesome people lined up to come and talk to us. So stick around. Going to be a good time. <laughs>
I drive zero RB in Dynasty Pass up a young receiver, nah, I couldn't be me My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those RBs You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate